All right, well, we're there in Genesis chapter number 21. And if you remember a couple of weeks ago, we were in Genesis 21 and we uh, dealt with this idea of the promises. And we talked about the promises of God and, and we learned several things about promises from this chapter. Uh, tonight, I want you to look down at verse number 8. I want you to notice very specific. Uh, you might read over it and think it's not that big of a deal, and it's really not, but, but it becomes a big deal in the New Testament. Genesis 21 and verse 8, the Bible says this, and the child grew and was weaned. So we have Isaac, who's now born, and he's grown to the place where he's no longer nursing. You know, he's probably two years old, something like that. And Abraham made a great feast the same day that Isaac was weaned. And Sarah saw the son of Hagar, the Egyptian, which she had born unto Abraham mocking. So remember back when Abraham had a lapse in, the, in his faith, uh, he went in unto Hagar, and he had a son by her, by the name of Ishmael, and that was not God's promise. God's promise was Isaac. God had promised Isaac, but Abraham had another son that was born of the flesh or in the flesh, and now that the son of promise is here, Sarah, in verse 9, sees uh, Ishmael, or the son of the bondwoman, the son of Hagar, and he's mocking, he's making fun of, or he's, uh, you know, I don't know what he was doing, but he was, he was if, you, if you got children, you know, they, they um, pick on each other, and they'll, uh, you know, uh, harass each other, or I don't know what the right word is there, they'll, they'll, they'll play around with each other, and, and sometimes their feelings get hurt, and that's what's going on here, look at verse 10, wherefore she said unto Abraham, notice what she says, she says, cast out this bondwoman and her son. For the son of this bondwoman shall not be heir with my son, even with Isaac. Now, here's what's interesting. This is not the first time that Sarah made the request that Hagar be cast out. The first time, it was wrong. God even stood up for Hagar and said that Hagar has to come back and submit herself unto, unto Sarah. But this time, God actually steps in because Abraham's having a problem with this and not wanting to do it. And God tells Abraham, we read there in the chapter, he said, do what Sarah said to do. And here Here's why God uses this as an analogy or an allegory is the, the correct word in the New Testament to teach us something. You're there in Genesis 21. Uh, go with me to the book of Galatians chapter number 4. We're going to be in Genesis 21 and Galatians 4 for most of the sermon. So I want you to have both of those. Galatians chapter number 4 and uh, look it down at verse number 21. Galatians chapter 4 and verse 21. I asked the guys to help me, so don't mind them. They're bringing some stuff up because I, I want to be able to write some things down and kind of help you understand the, the teaching uh, tonight. Galatians chapter 4. You guys can go ahead and move this. I'll move out of your, game, out of your way. Galatians 4.21 says this. Tell me, ye that desire to be under the law, do ye not hear the law? For it is written that Abraham had two sons, the one by a bondmaid, the other by a free woman. But he who was born of the bondwoman was born after the flesh. But he of the free woman was born by promise, which things are an allegory, for these are two covenants, the one from Mount Sinai, which gendereth to bondage, which is Agar. I want you to notice there in verse number 24 that the Bible says, which things are in allegory. You see that word allegory there. The word allegory is almost like a parable that Jesus would teach. It's a, repre uh, a representative or figurative story. It's a uh, symbolic story in nature. Now, here, uh, in, in, now here's what I want you to understand. I don't believe that Ishmael was a bad person or a, a bad uh, kid, you know. We're there in Genesis 21, you notice there in verse number 13 that God promised Ishmael to make him a nation. In verses 17 
17 through 19, God actually rescued Ishmael from dying in the wilderness. In verse 20, the Bible tells us that God was with Ishmael. So I don't think that Ishmael was a, a bad guy, but Ishmael versus Isaac is used in, in the book of Galatians as an allegory, as a parable, as a uh, figurative story to teach us a very important uh, doctrine in the Word of God. You're there. You're there. Uh, go, go back to Galatians chapter number four. And I want you to understand a couple of things. The first thing I want you to notice is we need to ask this question in this passage. Who are the two groups uh, that are represented in this allegory? Or, you know, of course, we know it's easy to understand who are the, 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 the people being used and the, the picture being used. I'm going to step over here if that's all right. And I, I want to write several things for you tonight. And I want you to understand this. And here's the, the reason I brought out a, a whiteboard tonight. And uh, the reason, I'm going to see, you think I can put this up here, brother? Appreciate that. Thank you. Yeah, maybe we can move that back. The reason I brought a whiteboard here tonight, and I want to go through and, and really clearly explain this from the Bible, is because people will often be lazy and not study the Bible out for themselves. You know, the Bible says study to show thyself approved unto God. And people refuse to do that. And here's what they'll do. They'll just accept, you know, theology books. They'll accept commentaries. They'll accept some Bible college expert, you know, on the radio telling them, uh, you know, what they ought to believe about things, and they won't study the Bible out for themselves. And to be honest, the re I, I want to just make it as simple for people to understand tonight, because I'm just sick and tired of people coming to this church, hearing us teach about these things, and then just walking away and saying, yeah, but you know, my dispensational theology class in Bible college or in Bible institute didn't teach that. Listen to me, it doesn't matter what your dispensational theology class teaches. All that matters is what the Bible teaches. And we're actually going to just break down the Bible, and I, I want to challenge anyone here tonight or anyone on the internet or whatever to just you know, contradict what the Bible says. So I'm going to, as clearly as I can, as, as uh, quickly as I can, I want to just break this passage down. And let's just begin by understanding that there are two categories. You're there in Galatians chapter 4, right? Look at verse 24. Notice what the Bible says. It says, for it is written that Abraham had two sons. Now there's two categories here. I'm going to go ahead and write them out for you. One is we have Hagar which in the New Testament, her, the name of her spelling is Agar, and of course, Ishmael. And I apologize for my handwriting. All right. I'm not a homeschool mom. But, uh, oh, there you. you mind grabbing that for me, brother? Appreciate it. And then on the other side, thank you. Thank you very much. We've got Sarah. And, of course, Isaac. Have I lost anybody yet? Okay, we good? <laughs> All right. Can anybody see this? If you can't see it, you should have sat up front. But, uh, no. All right, so we got Hagar, and we've got Sarah and Israel. And I want you to notice something else. Look down at Galatians 4.24. Notice what it says. For it is written that Abraham had, notice it says he had two sons. Okay, that's very important. Obviously, these two sons are the ones being pictured here, all right? So we got two sons in Galatians 
22, all right? Now, I want you to notice how these two sons are put into two different categories. Notice Galatians 4.24. For it is written that Abraham had two sons, the one by a bondmaid. You see that? If you're looking down at your Bible, you've got the first characteristic is a bondmaid, all right? So we're going to write down here a bondmaid, and that's Galatians 4.22, correct? And then it says, the other by a free woman, all right? So on this side, we've got the bondmaid is obviously Hagar. She was the, the concubine, the servant. And then on the other side, you've got a free woman. Sarah was not a slave. And that's Galatians 4, 22, all right? Now notice verse 23. But he who was of the bondwoman, so you've got another characteristic there. Uh, in verse 22, she's called the bondmaid. In verse 23, she's called the bondwoman. That's Galatians 4.23. says, but notice verse 23. But he who was born of the bondwoman was born, here's another characteristic, after the flesh. Okay? After the flesh. And that's Galatians 4, 23. But he of the free woman. So now we've got another characteristic here, similar to Galatians 4, 22, is the free woman, and that's Galatians 4, 23. Notice what it says. Look down at your Bible, Galatians 4, 23. But he of the free woman was by promise. So there is another Characteristic by promise. Galatians 4 23. Now notice verse 24. Which thing is an allegory? We talked about that, the fact that it's a parable, it's a figurative representation. Which things are an allegory? Now notice what it says. For these are, do you notice how it says two covenants? All right? So here's what we know the two sons. In Galatians 4.22, represent two covenants in Galatians 4.24. Now, a covenant is a... Good night. Where'd my thing go? A covenant is a contract or a deal that God would go in with a group of, of people. So these two sons represent two covenants made with two different people uh, in the Bible, you need to understand that. You need to have that clear in your mind. Now, notice what it says. Look down at verse 24. It says, which things are an allegory of, uh, for these are two covenants, the one from Mount Sinai, which generates the bondage, which is Agar. Notice verse 25. For this Agar is Mount Sinai. Okay, so I want you to remember that. Agar, which is just the New Testament spelling of Hagar, is Mount Sinai. Because we got to figure out who these people, who these groups represent. So we got Agar is Mount Sinai, according to Galatians 4.25. Agar is Mount Sinai in Arabia, and answer to, notice, Jerusalem, which now, that's the key word, is, all right? According to Galatians 4.25. 25, and is in bondage. 
If you guys want to learn how to preach, you got to take notes. This is how you study the Bible, all right? You get highlighters. No, I'm just kidding. Galatians 5.25. Colors always help. Now, notice verse 26. But Jerusalem, which is abroad, okay? So notice you've got Jerusalem, which now is, versus Jerusalem, which is above. Galatians 4. And I know for some of you are like, this is really simple. But people act like this is so complicated. Notice the other characteristic is free. Now, look down at verse number 29 in your Bible, and I want you to notice one more characteristic. In verse 29, it says this, He that was born after the flesh persecuted him that was born after the spirit. I know that's not the, the entire verse, but I want you to notice that, okay? Another characteristic we're told about the one that's born after the flesh is that he persecuted the one that was born after the spirit. Okay, so here's what we're doing. We're, we're not, we haven't added anything to Scripture. Did you see me open up a commentary? Did you see me open up a theology book? Did you see me open up a... All, all we did is we took the Bible, we took the words in the Bible, and we just divided it into two categories. Because here's the thing. We got one group represented by Hagar and Ishmael, and we've got another group represented by Sarah and Isaac, and these are their characteristics. One is a bondmaid or a bondwoman or in bondage. One is a free woman, a free woman, or is free. One is represented by Mount Sinai. One is represented by Jerusalem, which now is. Another one is represented by promise and by, by Jerusalem, which is above. One is in bondage. One is free. One uh, persecuted. The one after the flesh persecuted. The one after the spirit. Now, here's what we should be able to do. We should be able to basically open up our Bibles and figure out, okay, who meets these uh, categories? Because my whole life that I've grown up in independent Baptist churches, I've been told, here's what, what's usually taught. Ishmael is Islam. And Isaac is Israel. And this is a prediction of, you know, the fact that there is no peace in the Middle East and, you know, the fact that the Muslims and the Israelites are, are fighting. But here's the thing. You, you, the, the Bible doesn't tell us it's Islam, okay? Here's what it tells us. It's a bondmaid. It's after the flesh. It's Agar, uh, which is Mount Sinai. It's Jerusalem, which now is. And it's persecuted after spirit. So look, all we need to do is go by the characteristics and figure out who these people are. So let's just ask the question. Who are the two groups represented in this allegory? Well, let's just see. You know, who does Ishmael represent? Number one, it represents those that are born after the flesh. All right? You're there in, in Galatians 4. Go to the book of John. I'm just going to look at my notes tonight. I'm not going to open up my Bible. I'm just, I got my verses here in case you're wondering. But go to John chapter number 8. I'm going to sit down. This is like the liberals, how they preach, you know. And, uh, feels good. John chapter 8, I'm going to put on a, take my tie off next, you know. John chapter 8, look at verse 33, notice what the Bible says. John chapter number 8, you got Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, of course. John chapter number 8, and look at verse number 33. The Bible says, they answered him, notice what they answered him. This is Jesus speaking to the Pharisees, I'm going to grab my water. They answered him, we be Abraham's seed, and we're never in bondage, to any man. Notice there, they're talking about the fact that they're not in bondage while they're in bondage to the Roman Empire. 
But they said, We be Abraham's seed, and were never in bondage to any man. How sayest thou, ye shall be made free? Now notice, he's telling them, You're in bondage, but you can be made free. And they're hard-headed and said, We're not in bondage. Yeah, we got to pay tribute to the Roman Empire. Yeah, we got to, you know, do what the Romans tell us to do, but we're not in bondage. But, but, but notice what the Bible says. They said, we be Abraham's seed. What does that mean? They were physical descendants of Abraham. Look at verse 37, John chapter 8, verse 37. Notice what the Bible says. I know, this is Jesus speaking, I know that ye are Abraham's seed. He said, I, I know that you're born after the flesh, but I want you to remember this. Ye seek to kill me. What are they doing? They're persecuting him, right? They're the ones that put him to death. He said, I know that ye are Abraham's seed after the flesh, but ye seek to kill me because my word hath no place in you. Go to Luke chapter number 3 and look at verse number 8. You're there in John, so you got, you're just going to go backwards one book from John to Luke. Luke chapter number 3 and look at verse number 8. Notice what the Bible says. Luke I'm sure I'm going to get emails from the YouTube people saying, you're a liberal, preaching, sitting down. We got them from Pastor Anderson because he preached without a tie on, you know, uh, in Vancouver. But anyway, <laughs> Luke chapter 3, look at verse 8. Bring forth, therefore, fruits worthy of repentance, and begin not to say within yourselves, this is John speaking to the Pharisees, to the Jews, begin not to say within yourselves, we have Abraham to our father, he said, don't think it's special that you've got Abraham as your physical line, you know, your father. For I say unto you that God is able of these stones to raise up children unto Abraham. So here's a question. If we're asking who meets this qualification after the flesh, all right, here's who meets that qualification, the Jews. The Jews are physical descendants after the flesh. Now people would say, well, so, are, so is uh, Islam. You know, if it's true that the Islam is the sense of Ishmael, which there's a big question mark there anyway, but if that's true, aren't they also after the flesh? And, you know, I'll say if that's true, yes, but there's more than one qualification, so let's keep looking. Here's the other qualification. They persecuted, they that were born after the flesh, persecuted those that were born after the Spirit. Go, go, go back to Galatians chapter 4, look at verse number 29. Galatians chapter number 4, and look at verse number 29. Notice what the Bible says. Galatians chapter 4 and verse number 29, the Bible says this, But as then he, was, he that was born after the flesh persecuted him that was born after the Spirit, even so it is now. All right. So what is Paul in Galatians 4 referring to? Well, he's referring to the fact that Ishmael was mocking Isaac. Remember, he was persecuting him, he was mocking him, and here's what Paul says. He says, as then, he says, like it was back in the book of Genesis when, when uh, Ishmael was persecuting Isaac. He says, he, he says, as then, he that was born after the flesh persecuted him that was born after the, the spirit. And then he says this, even so it is now. He says, the same people that were persecuting Isaac is the same group being represented that is persecuting uh, those that are born of the Spirit today. So here's, here's what he says. He says, even so as it is now. So here's the question we've got to ask. Who was persecuting the Apostle Paul during his ministry? Well, the Bible tells us. Let's go to the book of Acts. Let's look at it together. Acts chapter number 9. Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, Acts. Acts chapter number 9. 
I'm not going to be able to do the liberal thing too long. I'm going to have to stand up for a little bit. Acts, Acts chapter number 9, look at verse number 23. Acts chapter 9, verse 23. Brother Vladi, I don't know, could you grab me that little stand? Maybe we can just use that so I can set my Bible down. I appreciate it. Acts chapter 9, look at verse 23. Notice what the Bible says, all right? And there's so many verses on this, I'm not going to spend the... I, I just picked enough to make the point and the ones that are really clear. But notice Acts 9, 23. And after that many days were fulfilled, the Jews, notice, the Jews took counsel to kill him. To kill who? Paul. All right? So let me ask you this. Was it the Muslims that were persecuting the Apostle Paul? Well, here's the problem with that. Islam did not come into existence till about 612 years after Christ. All right? There, you're still, you know, 500 years away from Muhammad, you know, having a devil come and tell him to start the religion of Islam. So it's not Islam that was persecuting Paul. According to Acts 9.23, it was the Jews that took counsel to kill him. Go to Acts 13. Look at verse number 45. Thank you, brother. Acts 13 and verse number 45. I don't know where we can put it. Maybe right there. Yeah, that's good. Yeah, that's perfect. Acts 13, look at verse number 45. Notice what the Bible says. Acts 13 and verse 45. But when the Jews, you see that? When the Jews saw the multitude, this is the multitude, if you read the context, that's there to hear the word of God preached. They were filled with envy and spake against those things which were spoken by Paul, contradicting and blaspheming. So who was filled with envy and spake against those things which were spoken by Paul? Because Paul said, Paul said that like it was back then, it's the same now that we're, he said, I'm being persecuted. So who was it that was persecuting the Apostle Paul? According to Acts 13, 44, 45, excuse me, it was the Jews. Who was it that was persecuting him in Acts 9.23? It was the Jews. Look down at verse number 50, Acts chapter 13 and verse number 50. But the Jews, notice, but the Jews stirred up the devout and honorable women and the chief men of the city and raised, notice, persecution against Paul and Barnabas and expelled them out of their coast. See, Bible college wants you to believe that it was the Roman Empire persecuting uh, Christians. And you know what? It may have been at some point in history that the Roman Empire was persecuting Christians. But in the book of Acts, it's not the Roman Empire. It's the Jews. And in fact, it's the Roman Empire aiding and abating. You know, it's, it's the Roman Empire protecting Paul and, and, you know, keeping him from being killed by the Jews. Where, are you in Acts 13, 50? Go to Acts 14. Look at verse number 2. Just one page over. Acts 14, verse 2. Notice what the Bible says. But the unbelieving Jews stirred up the Gentiles and made their minds evil affected against the brethren. Go to verse number 19. Same chapter. Acts chapter 14, verse number 19. And there came hither certain Jews from Antioch and Iconium who persuaded the people and having stoned Paul, drew him out of the city, supposing he had been dead. These Jews are following Paul around. He leaves town and goes to another town to start another church, another ministry, and they follow him. And they uh, get other people riled up against him. Look at Acts 17. Look at verse 5. Acts 17 and verse 5. But the Jews, which believed not, 
moved with envy, took unto them certain lewd fellows of the baser sort, and gathered a company, and set all the city in an uproar, and assaulted the house of Jason, and sought to bring them out to the people. Look at Acts 18 and verse number 12. Acts 18 and verse 12. And when Gallio was the deputy of Achaia, the Jews made insurrection with one accord against Paul, and brought him to the judgment seat. To the judgment seat. Go to Acts 20, verse 19. I'm going to show you just enough verses just to beat a dead horse, all right? Just to like kick the dead horse a couple of times, just to make the point, all right? Acts chapter 20, look at verse 19. This is Paul speaking about his own ministry. Notice what he says. Serving the Lord with all humility of mind and with many tears and temptations, which befell me by the lying and weight of the Romans. Is that what it says? No. He said, these are the people that were lying in wait for me, the Jews. Look at verse 20, uh, Acts 21, verse 27. Acts 21, verse 27. And when the seven days were almost ended, the Jews which were of Asia, when they saw him, talking about Paul, in the temple, stirred up all the people and laid hands on him. Acts 23, look at verse 12. And I'm skipping a bunch of verses that I could show you. I'm just showing you the ones that are just real clear that we can look at and not really have to look at the context much. Acts 23, look at verse 12. And when it was day, certain of the Jews banded together and bound themselves under a curse, saying that they would neither eat nor drink till they had killed Paul. Acts 23, look at verse 27. Acts 23. This is the chief captain writing a letter about Paul, and notice what he says. He says, this man, Acts 23, verse 27, this man, talking about Paul, was taken of the Jews and should have been killed of them. He said, the Jews were going to kill this guy, and we uh, took him from them. Notice, then came I with an army and rescued him, having understood that he was a Roman. So there we have the Romans coming in and protecting uh, uh, Paul. So here's what I want to ask you. Because Paul said in, in Acts chapter 4 and verse 29, here's what he said. He said, but as then he that was born after the flesh persecuted him that was born after the spirit, even so it is now. So here's the question. Who was persecuting Paul throughout his ministry in the book of Acts? It was one group, and it was the Jews. Who are the ones that are fitting this category that they're after the flesh? That's the Jews. You said, well, it could be Islam. Okay, but they also persecuted those that were born after the Spirit. Paul said, they're doing it right now as I'm writing. They're following me, and they're laying in in wait. That wasn't Islam. That was the Jews. So let's continue. Because there's more characteristics. This group is also represented by Mount Sinai. Remember, it says uh, Agar is Mount Sinai. Now look, Mount Sinai is a very important mountain in Scripture. I'll, I'll show you the most famous reference to it. Let's go to Exodus chapter number 19. In your Old Testament, you got Genesis and Exodus Exodus chapter 19. When you throw the word Sinai in there, Paul understands that most people are going to know what he's talking about. Because Sinai is a very famous mountain. You say, what is Mount Sinai known for? Exodus 19, look at verse number 10. Exodus 19 and verse number 10. Notice what the Bible says. And the Lord said unto Moses... 
Go unto the people and sanctify them today and tomorrow and let them wash their clothes and be ready against the third day. For the third day, notice what the Bible says, the Lord will come down in the sight of all the people upon Mount Sinai. Do you see that? The Lord appeared to the people in Mount Sinai. Skip down to verse number 18 just for sake of time. And Mount Sinai was altogether on a smoke. Because the Lord descended upon it in fire, and the smoke thereof ascended as the smoke of a furnace, and the whole mount quaked greatly. And when the voice of the trumpet sounded long and waxed louder and louder, Moses spake, and God answered him by a voice. And the Lord came down upon Mount Sinai on the top of the mount, and the Lord called Moses up to the top of the mount, and Moses went up. Moses goes up to Mount Sinai, and you know what happens in the very next chapter? God gives him a very important or very famous uh, 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 document or, or verses or commandments in the Bible, you know them as the Ten Commandments, okay? They go to Mount Sinai when they leave Egypt, and guess what happens in Mount Sinai? God enters into a covenant with the children of Israel, which, you know, if you want to use theological terms, it's known as the Mosaic Covenant, he gives them, you know, the scriptures, he gives them the laws, he gives them the priesthood, he gives them the Ten Commandments. So here's the question. Is Mount Sinai and the Mosaic Covenant associated with Islam? No. Is it associated with Judaism? Yes. Are the Jews born after the flesh? Yes. Are the Jews the ones that persecuted those that are born after the Spirit? Yes. You see how it starts being real clear who's being represented here by Hagar and Ishmael. But, uh, you know, you, you say, okay, so, so we understand, you know, what about the bondmaid? Why is, why is uh, one referred to as a bondmaid, bondwoman, or in bondage, and the other one's referred to as a free woman, a free woman, or is free? We're going to talk about that in a minute. But let me just say this. Here's the obvious one. Hagar represents Jerusalem, which now is. All right? So here's what Paul's saying. The Jerusalem that exists right now is a representation of Hagar. All right? Let me ask you a question. You go down to Jerusalem right now, the Holy Land, what's the number one religion? Judaism. I mean, that's their headquarters. That's where they're stationed out of. You know, and there's, of course, there's Muslims there and there's Christians there, but Jerusalem, which now is, is a picture of Judaism. Notice, these people are represented by Jerusalem, which is above. Heavenly Jerusalem. Jerusalem, which is still to come. And you, so here's the question. This is the Jews. I mean, can you get away from that? You got Mount Sinai, which is where God entered into the Mosaic Covenant. Remember, the two sons represent two covenants. You've got Jerusalem, which now is. You've got the fact that they're after the flesh, and they persecuted those that were born after the Spirit. They're in bondage. And on the other side, you've got Sarah and Isaac, who are represented by a free woman, a free woman, a promise, Jerusalem which is above, and is free. You say, okay, so who does that represent? Well, let's look down at the Bible. Go to Galatians chapter 4, look at verse number 28. Galatians chapter 4 and verse number 28. Galatians 4, 28. I'm not just going to tell you who that represents, although you should probably get it by now. If you haven't had your mind corrupted by a bunch of false TV preachers, if you haven't just spent years listening to John Hagee, you know, feed you a bunch of lies about dispensationalism, then it should just be real easy to understand. But let's, let's prove it to you. Galatians 4.28. Notice what Paul says. 
Now we, all right? Now notice what he doesn't say. He doesn't say, now me. He's saying we. He's involving himself with the group that he's talking to. So here's the question I have for you. Who is Paul talking to? Well, let's look at it. Go back to Galatians 1. Look at verse 1. The book of Galatians was written to the churches in Galatia. Let's look at it together. Galatians 1. Look at verse 2. Well, look at verse 1 just for the context. Galatians 1.1. 1, 1. Paul, an apostle, not of men, neither by man, but by Jesus Christ the God, uh, and God the Father, who raised him from the dead. Look at verse 2. And all the brethren which are with me unto the churches of Galatia. All right? Now, here's the thing about Galatia. Ancient Galatia is located in the central region of what you and I today call Turkey. Modern-day Turkey is the area. This is Eastern Europe, Western Asia. All right? Here's the point that I'm trying to make. He's talking to Gentiles. He's talking to Gentiles that are believers. Now, notice what he says, Galatians 4.28. He says, now we, not me, he says, we, I, I'm he Paul says, I'm including myself and I'm including all the believers of Galatia, all the Gentile believers. He says, now we, brethren, as Isaac was, are the children of what? Promise. Because you know what you got when you got saved? You got a promise that God was going to keep you to the day of his coming. And he says, look, we, brethren, as Isaac was, are the children of promise. Look down at verse number 31. We, we already dealt with all the verses about Israel, but look at verse 31. So then, brethren, brethren is a term used for believers. He's talking to Gentile believers. He says, so then, brethren, we, notice, can it get any clearer? We are not, he says, we are not the children of the bondwoman, but of the free. Do you understand that? He says, they're in bondage. We are free. You say, well, what makes them in bondage and us in free? Here's what makes them in bondage and us in free. You're there in Galatians 4. Look at Galatians 5. Look at verse 1. Notice what he says to these, to these Gentile believers. He says, stand fast, therefore, in the liberty wherewith Christ has made us free, and be not entangled again with the yoke of bondage. Notice verse 2. Behold, I, Paul, say unto you, that if ye be circumcised, isn't that a Jewish practice? That if you be circumcised, Christ shall profit you nothing. For I, testify, uh, uh, for I testify again to every man that is circumcised that he is a debtor to do the whole law. See, the religion of Judaism teaches you got to keep the law. They teach you gotta, you got to be circumcised. They, they teach you got to keep the Mosaic law. And Paul says, if you believe you got to keep any part of the law, then you have to keep the entire law. He says, Christ has become of no effect unto you, whosoever you are justified by the law, ye are Fallen from grace. He says, look, you're either saved by grace, which the word grace means free, unmerited favor. You're either saved by grace or you're saved by works, but it's not both. And if you've got to keep any part of the law, you've got to keep all the part, and that's why they're in bondage. And he, look, if they thought they had to keep the Mosaic law, that'd be bad enough. And the Mosaic law's not bad, but thinking you've got to keep the Mosaic law, that's bad enough. The Judaism religion adds a whole other book to the Torah, you know, which is Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy. They add a whole other book called the Talmud, which is like this huge dictionary thesaurus of laws they got to keep. I mean, these people are in bondage. They're fallen from grace. Is it because they're bad people? Is it because we're racist? Do I look like a Nazi up here? Okay. It's not because we hate the Jews. 
We just hate the Jews. Look, but their religion is false. Their false religion is as wicked as Islam and Catholicism and any other religion that teaches you got to work your way to heaven. These people are in bondage, but Isaac was free. These people were born after the flesh, but he was born after a promise, and he was after the spirit. These people are represented by Jerusalem, which now is, and they're represented by Jerusalem, which is above. They're represented by Mount Sinai. That ought to give it away right there. Where God entered into a covenant with the children of Israel called the Mosaic Covenant. That's what represents Hagar. So look, it's really clear. Hagar and Ishmael is a picture and a representation of the Jews and the Jews' religion. And Sarah and Isaac is a picture of New Testament believers. That's you and I. And, and people today, they say, no, no, Ishmael is Islam. Isaac is Israel. This is a prophecy of the fact that George Bush was going to go in there and clean it all up. Okay, but here's the thing. Is that what the Bible says? Is that what the Bible shows us? If you just forget dispensation, look, anytime someone tells you, oh, well, dispensational theology, here's what they're telling you. I've got an agenda that I can't make the Bible prove, so I'm just going to tell you there's this magical dispensation where the rules no longer apply. And in the Old Testament, they were saved by works, and in the New Testament, we're saved by grace. And, and you know, during the tribulation, who knows how those people are going to be saved. Here's the thing. All of that's a bunch of trash. Look, you, you ought to be able to just break down the Bible and, and understand it and let the Holy Spirit help you. Is there anything I'm taking out of context? Is there anything I'm missing? Was there a verse in there that said something about Muhammad? Look, this is the Jews. This is the New Testament believer. You say, okay, I get it. Why, why does it matter? Why is that important? Here's why it's important. Go back to Genesis 21, look at verse 10. Genesis 21, keep, keep replacing Galatians. Genesis 21. Genesis 21, keep your place in Galatians. Genesis 21, look at verse 10. Wherefore she said unto Abraham, remember what? Remember what Sarah said? Wherefore she said unto Abraham, cast out this bondwoman and her son. For the son of this bondwoman shall not be heir with my son, even with Isaac. That's the story. And then in the New Testament, go to Galatians 4, look at verse 30. Paul says that's an allegory of what was going to happen. These different people are representing a a group of people called the Jews, called the New Testament believers. Notice Galatians 4.30. Nevertheless, what saith the scripture? Okay? This is why God said no. What Sarah said is right. Nevertheless, what say the scripture? Cast out the bondwoman and her son, for the son of this bondwoman shall not be heir with the son of the free woman. Here's why it matters who Hagar and Ishmael represent and who Sarah and Isaac represent. Because one of these guys gets thrown out. One of these guys gets cast out. So which one is it? All right, go, go to Matthew 21. We're almost done. Matthew 21. We're going to look at a couple passages in Matthew and we'll finish up. Matthew 21. Because here's what 99% of Baptists teach today. And, you know, most Christians or whatever. The Jews are God's chosen people. The Jews can do nothing wrong. 
and, and they're still God's chosen people, even though they spat in his face and crucified him and completely rejected him, God never gave up on the Jews. He's always going to love them. They're special. You know, all the verses in the Bible that say that God is no respecter of persons, they, you know, forget that. Because that's not what my, my dispensational theology book taught. And here's what they say. The Jews are God's chosen people, and they'll never be cast out. But according to the allegory, who got cast out? Hagar and Ishmael. Who does Hagar and Ishmael represent? Those that are after the flesh, those that persecuted, those that are after the spirit, those that entered into a covenant in Mount Sinai, those that are uh, identified by Jerusalem, which now is, those that are in bondage, they're a bondmaid or a bondwoman or in bondage. Somebody gets cast out. Matthew 21, look at verse 33. Notice what Jesus said. Matthew 21, verse 33. This is Jesus speaking to the Pharisees. Notice what he says. Matthew 21, verse 33. Here another parable. There was a certain householder. So he's going to give a parable, an allegory, a story, to try to explain something. Notice what he says. Here another parable. There was a certain householder which planted a vineyard. Now, a vineyard is a picture of the nation of Israel. Uh, you know, the, a clear example of that is Isaiah chapter 5, where God illustrates the nation of Israel as a vineyard. So notice what Jesus said. Which planted a vineyard and hedged it round about and digged a wine press in it and built a tower, notice, and let it out to husbandmen and went into a far country. And when the time of the fruit drew near, he sent his servants to the husbandmen that they might receive the fruits of it. And the husbandmen took his servants and beat one and killed another and stoned another. Those are the prophets. Remember, God sent the prophets. And that's what they did with the prophets. Look at verse 36. Again, he sent other servants more than the first, and they did unto them likewise. Notice verse 37. But last of all, he sent unto them his son. Who's that? Jesus. Saying, they will reverence my son. But when the husbandmen saw the son, they said among themselves, this is the heir. Come, let us kill him and let us seize on his inheritance. And they caught him and cast him out of the vineyard and slew him. And when the Lord, therefore, the vineyard cometh, what will he do unto those husbandmen? Get the picture. This is Jesus talking to the Pharisees, which are the leaders of the, Jew, uh, of the Jews' religion. He's talking to the people that are about to put him to death. And he says, the Lord sent servant after servant, and you slew them and you killed them. And last of all, he sent his son, and they killed him too. And then he says, what will he do unto those husbandmen? Notice what they respond, verse 41. They say unto him, he will miserably destroy those wicked men, and he's never going to fire them because they're his chosen people no matter what they do. Is that what it says? They say unto him, Matthew 21, 41. He will miserably destroy those wicked men and will let out his vineyard unto other husbandmen, which shall render him the fruits of their season. Jesus saith unto them, Did ye never read in the scriptures the stone which the builders rejected? The same has become the head of the corner. This is the Lord's doing and is marvelous in our eyes. Note miss verse 43. Therefore I say unto you, the kingdom of God shall be taken from you and given to a nation bringing forth the fruits thereof. He said, we're going to take the kingdom. We're going to take the vineyard because you killed the son, because you crucified the son, and we're going to give it unto another. Go to Matthew chapter 8. Look at verse 11. We're, this is the last place I'll have you look at. 
Now remember, what was the main phrase out of Genesis 21.10? What was it that, what was it that uh, Sarah said? She said, cast out this bondwoman and her son, for the son of this bondwoman shall not be heir with my son, even with Isaac. That's what she said. It's quoted in the New Testament as cast out the bondwoman and her son, for the son of the woman of the bondwoman shall not be heir with the son of the free woman. Basically the same quote. Notice Matthew 8 and verse 11. This is what Jesus said. And I say unto you that many shall come from the east and west. What is he talking about? From all over the world. Gentiles from everywhere. But, and I say unto you that many shall come from the east and the west and shall sit down with Abraham and Isaac and Jacob in the kingdom of heaven. Now we just saw that the kingdom was taken from them and given unto other husbandmen. He says, I say unto you that many shall come from the east and the west and shall sit down with Abraham and Isaac and Jacob in the kingdom of heaven. Notice verse 12. But the children of the kingdom shall be, don't miss this, cast out. She said, cast out this bondwoman and her son. And he says, hey, the children of the kingdom shall be cast out into outer, outer darkness. There shall be weeping and gnashing of teeth. And, well, no, no, no. You're, you know, Pastor Amanda is the reason that you are so messed up on doctrines because you didn't go to Bible college. I think, I think the fact that I didn't go to Bible college is the reason I'm not messed up on all this doctrine. Because I don't have this stupid agenda where these people wrote these books that make no sense, that, that twist scripture. What part of this was taken out of context tonight? I mean, what part of this, where did I come in and say, well, you know, agar actually means Islam in Greek. Did I say that? You don't know that because you're an idiot, because you didn't go to Bible college like I did. But, you know, the word the there in the original language is actually referring to Mecca. You know, yeah, this is the kind of stuff they do. I just looked at the Bible, wrote it down, we compared it with other references, and we came to the conclusion, this is the Jews, this is New Testament believers, these guys get cast out. Look, I'm not saying Jews can't be saved, but they got to go from here to here. They got to go from believing in works to believing in faith. They've got to, you can't, you can't be saved while rejecting Christ as the Messiah. You understand that? And you say, why did you write this all out? I'm just trying to help, because look, I'm just sick and tired of people coming here and saying, well, it's too confusing. I can't understand it. I'm just going to go with what I was taught as a child. Well, you know, maybe taking different colors and drawing pictures helps you to just understand, because I want everyone to get this. And I don't want people to just get their theology from YouTube all the time. And just, well, I watch all these YouTube videos, and that's why you're just, you know, shaking with every wind of doctrine. That's why you just don't know anything. Why don't you just open the Bible, study it, and here's what I would encourage you to do. Go home tonight. Go to Galatians chapter 4. Grab a red highlighter and a blue highlighter and a green highlighter and prove this wrong. And study to show thyself approved. Because the teaching here, and yeah, I took a whole sermon to, to explain. I've taught this before, but the teaching here is very important because the Jews are not God's chosen people anymore. They've been cast out because they crucified Jesus Christ. He gave them one last chance, and they crossed that line, and they, re, they were rejected. And, but there was, a, there was always, it's always, there's always been to do Remember several weeks ago, we were looking at the covenant of Abraham, and we saw that God gave him two covenants. He said, your descendants will be as the sand which is on the sea, on the seashore. And he said, and as the stars. There's always two descendants. There's always been the physical and the spiritual, that which is now and that which is above. So I hope that helps you out tonight. 
Let's pray and we'll be